Tyler Smiley. And I'm John Morrison. And this is the Rooted and Grounded Podcast. Rooted and Grounded creates theological content to grow the church in our knowledge of God in order that we would grow in our love for Him and for our neighbor. Read and listen more at rootedandgrounded.co. I think I nailed that one. You nailed it. And I was excited, and I felt good. Good energy. Good, high, um, good level of energy. Yeah, I'm I think the live reads this. are coming. Sponsors are coming. I had to hide a little bit of my excitement. You want to know why? I do want to know why. Because um, just a moment ago, a man walked by our office. We were preparing to record, and he had half an hour, and so we yanked him in here to talk with us. <laughs> Unplanned unscheduled but always ready to give an answer for the hope of his faith oh captain my captain we have with us here our missions pastor at Lakewood Baptist Church Robert Puckett in the flesh yes I'm glad I am so glad I'm sitting here just amazed I walked by the store today it I think only God could have coordinated this <laughs> yes. today for us so right? excited to sit down with y'all and see uh where you're gonna take us so give us a little bit of background of how long have you been at on staff at Lakewood? You started out part time. Yep. And how many years? As all ago, the best people at Lakewood did. So I've <laughs> I've been here like a really long time. Uh, my wife and I, Sherry, started here in like twenty eight years ago. And uh, that long ago. Yeah, that long wow. ago. And uh, so. We were involved. I worked at the sheriff's department locally and uh, trying to serve the Lord through the sheriff's department and uh, had a great time. And Dr. Tom at Lakewood uh, offered me a part-time position in outreach. That's a pretty good story because he's like at a conference and then uh, kind of saying, hey, think about this. If you'd work at Lakewood part-time. So, well, what will I do? He said, well, we'll figure it out. So we're like, all right, I'm, I'm down that for that. That does not sound like him at all. <laughs> I know. I don't think I've ever heard him say anything remotely like that before. So I kind of stumbled into this and then uh, went to work full-time as pastor of missions uh, 1999. So been trying to give leadership to the local church, uh, locally, globally, and uh, we've been very, very fortunate. I tell the guys all the time and many people, we are just fortunate people to be able to participate God's mission and uh, just be helpful. Well, God has been gracious to Lakewood and over the years since 1999, at least since you've been here, you've just seen God continually grow every year the heart of the people at Lakewood to be more excited, more generous, more uh, energized towards the mission of God in the world, towards making disciples globally, towards living our lives on mission, all, all these things have just grown like year after year after year for the last almost three decades right? by God's grace and his faithfulness. And what I love about this is when you started for that particular role at Lakewood Missions, it was Robert Puckett, hmm. which means you were basically doing the work of four people. Well... You know, I got to be honest, especially if you're on live radio. You don't always be honest, Tyler. Remember that. I will. Noted. But uh, at that particular time in my life, I would have much rather uh, have had the mission ministry to exist at Lakewood. And I'd come in, kind of observe it, and tweak it here or there, um, get some good training, discipleship, or help from other people that are doing it longer than me, and kind of tweak it. But it did kind of start from the ground up. 
Uh, but God is good. I had a great friend in Atlanta that worked with uh, Campus Crusade for Christ at the time named Tom Hinkle. And I met with him in Gwinnett uh, once a month for several several years to kind of learn how to give a local church leadership. And I'll never forget, Tom always reminded me, he said, if you will make disciples, Robert, you will get the mission of God. Hmm. I said, man, that is a phenomenal statement. But we better start with making disciples. Yep. And then I learned how to do that uh, through Tom's leadership and what that looked like through God's Word and making disciples and uh, just try to develop a ministry that was disciple-making as well as missional locally and globally. Yeah. So. All right, so let's start with this because I want to spend a little bit of time just talking about missions and what we mean and how we understand that. But let's start with the biblical vision of mm-hmm. God's mission. And so I think through your leadership and where we are as a church, we like to start in the Old Testament because mm-hmm. we want to tell our folks that God has always been on this mission of making disciples among all the nations in all the world. Mm-hmm. So if we look at Genesis, particularly Genesis chapter 12, I think we start to see that even from the very beginning of God's work in the world, that he was always about making disciples for the nation. So you you have this passage that you bring out to us so often, Genesis chapter 12, and uh, what's the verse that we like to start in with this, Rob? Yeah, so Genesis chapter 12, verses uh, 1 through 3, and I, I just want to emphasize this too with, with you guys doing Rooted and Grounded. It is so important that we have a high view of Scripture, so important that we have that everything we do practically is undergirded through God's Word. I mm-hmm. think it's so easy. Modern times, there's so many books, so many different ways to go about doing it. We can just jump into that and create a system uh, without starting with a good foundation of God's Word. So it's just, it's just important. I think I learned that later on in my leadership. Mm-hmm. Not that I've always had a high view of Scripture and love the Word of God, reading it, teaching other people to read it, but to really let that steer what we give leadership to and what we, you know, allow God to use us for and create systems locally, globally. It's just so important that's undergirded by the Word of God. And I just think there's a just a natural pull that we just get busy doing stuff and that we kind of do it backwards sometimes. Yep. So yep. Uh, great start here in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Uh, call of Abram. The Lord God said to Abram, go out from your land, your relatives, your father's house, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you, your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. So that is a vision from the very beginning. I mean, that last statement in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. I mean, that's a global type vision. That's all the nations from the very start. Mm-hmm. Because the tendency, wouldn't you say, is that we would see uh, in the Old Testament, we would be tempted to focus on the particular group of people that God has called. At the expense of saying, but the calling was always intended for all the nations to go out, not only for that one particular group of people. All right, so what? how then do we as a local church begin to see this worked out in our own ministries? Like that from the Old Testament, God always intended that the mission would go out to the nations, mm-hmm. 
So how do we start to see that at play in our own local church? Well, I think uh, closer to us is is the fact of the nations have come to us. Uh, I think it's so key for, you know, uh, the Great Commission, go, you know, whether it's to your backyard, to the nations, different lands. But uh, we've seen just exponentially the nations coming to us. So I think it's important for a church to have a vision for the nations. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we... Uh, think more on the map or through geography of where we need to go instead of thinking about the particular nations, the particular people groups. I think that's key because obviously in Hall County, we don't have the context of people groups that an hour down the road in DeKalb County has, but we have the nations in our backyard. So I think it's important that you recognize, know your context, know what's around you, and uh, look for ways to to reach them. And uh, that could be from everything from ESL to ministering through uh, apartment Bible clubs or backyard Bible clubs or just so many different ways mm-hmm. to be pragmatic with that. But I think it's first that uh, obviously through his word, through a lot of prayer, but recognizing uh, the nations around us. Yeah. How do you see this develop, this biblical theme develop as we move from Genesis through Revelation? I mean, the whole Bible, how is this developing this promise that God made to Abraham. Well, I think, you know, the prophets have to keep reminding the people of Israel that it's not about them. I mean, it's about God and what God is doing in the world. And so you see somebody like Isaiah coming and saying that God is going to do a work, not just in Israel, not just among this chosen people, but he's actually going to call Egypt his people. He's going to call Assyria my people. And this this work is going to the coastland. So if we look at like Isaiah 19, mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking of. Right. And so Isaiah, he's prophesying this future day, and he says, in that day there will be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt, and a pillar to the Lord at its border. Why is that shocking? Oh, I just, they would, they'd be shocked, because where is there an altar to the Lord? There's an altar to the Lord in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. There, there are pillars at the entrance to their promised land. Mm-hmm. And so Isaiah is saying, no, no, this is actually going to happen in your hated enemy, Egypt, the very place that God delivered you out of. Mm-hmm. So it will be a sign and a witness to the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. When they cry to the Lord because of oppressors, when the Egyptians cry to the Lord because of their oppressors, he, the Lord, will send them a Savior and a Defender and deliver them. And the Lord will make himself known to the Egyptians, and the Egyptians will know the Lord in that day and worship with sacrifice and offering. I mean, so he's just describing the very things that the Lord's promised to Israel. He's saying he's going to do it in Egypt. And we go down a little bit more in chapter 19 to verse 23. In that day there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. These are the these are the enemies of God's people. Hmm. A highway from Egypt to Assyria, and Assyria will come into Egypt, and Egypt into Assyria, and the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. In that day, Israel will be the third with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth, whom the Lord of hosts has blessed, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria the work of my hands, and Israel my inheritance. And so for Isaiah in his day, this is a picture of the whole earth, mm-hmm. yeah. from what is south, what is north, what is around, all people 
are going to worship the Lord, even those who are his enemies. And how does this continue into the New Testament? Well, it's with, I mean, I think Matthew's gospel is so clear on this, that Christ has come not just as the son of David and the son of Abraham, but he has come as the son of Adam yeah. to bless the nations. That he is the one that Robert read about, mm-hmm. this one, he is actually the one through whom the blessing's going to come. And so ultimately we get a picture in Revelation 7 of people from all the nations, every tribe, every language, every tongue, worshiping the Lord, doing what Isaiah prophesied, mm-hmm. what the Lord told Abraham would happen in Genesis 12. Yeah, and God God really captures your heart, Tyler, and gives you a vision and a thought to just to start, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so much of what we have going forward, we're just kind of stumbling into it, but looking back, you see how God has just really provided a way. And through all of the scriptures, there's a picture of the nations, and he's going to reach all the people groups uh, with his grace and mercy. And it's just, it's just amazing to be part of that as a local church, and I think that's so important when we talk about the nations, we talk about missions, it's so important that we lift high, not only the high view of scripture, but uh, the means to that is through the local church. And you do a great job of, you and John both, of reminding us the importance. And, you know, that's hard mm-hmm. to establish a local church, to go to an area in your neighborhood or across the world and work with that people group and be there for the long term to help uh you know, God raise up a local church and then get out of the way so that they can reach their people group. That's hard work, yeah. but it's so worth it. I mean, yeah. you know, this society, we're all tired, you know, so this yeah. is good stuff to be tired for, you know. You Let me pick up on something you just mentioned there. You mentioned about in your own neighborhood or throughout the world. Uh, how as a local church, I mean, you just think about our particular context. You don't have to answer for every local church in the world, right. but just for us at Lakewood, how do we try to balance those two things to where we say uh, maybe there was a period of time over the last uh, you know five or six decades where missions meant sending money or people to a different part of the world, sure, and that's kind of that was your expression of joining the missions work of, through your local church. But now we're kind of saying. Well, it's that, but it's also making sure we're uh, making disciples of people who don't know Christ, even in our own neighborhoods or in our own areas. How do we try to do that as a local church? Well, I think it's important, just to back up a little bit from that question, is uh, with so many churches involved and uh, perspectives on missions, we have to define the word missions correctly. Mm -hmm. And it's not just... Uh, helping a segment of society. Missions is the gospel, sharing the gospel, establishing the church, but working, uh, you know, cross-culturally. It's mm-hmm. not just our own people group. And so you got to get that definition of mission worked out to that it is the nations, it is cross-culturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then from that, um, you know, churches, regardless of size, regardless of uh, their financial ability, making a decision they want to be involved in god's work and let's keep it very clear this is god's work Mm -hmm. that he has asked us to join him in and uh so we all can make a contribution into that so um i think the last 20 years you look at god working maybe even further back than that so much of his work through mission has come back through the local church Mm -hmm. we very much support parachurch organizations at lakewood through our mission budget we come alongside of them we partner with them relationally, financially. We lift them up. We pray for them often. Uh, but God has given more responsibility 
uh, to the local church to be involved in mission. Mm-hmm. We've also seen that through church planning as mm-hmm. well. So mm-hmm. um, just, just good to be part of that. And as a local church then, so there is a particular emphasis, a biblical emphasis to make sure you're going cross-culturally, which for us a lot of times means uh, another continent or another nation. Now, to your point earlier, certainly people from other nations are finding their way into our areas, so that's a way to go cross-culturally without without mm-hmm. going too far geographically. Right. So there's certainly a way in which we want to prioritize the mission of going cross-culturally into other places where the gospel is not. Correct. But also in our own neighborhoods. I mean, here we we say we ought to be making disciples of people who are around us every day. So we do that through various ways as a local church, through things in our city. Uh, you know, we have ministries that are just right in our sort of own backyard, kind of. So we do that, and then uh, if if there's larger amounts of people group, like you know, usually larger cities, uh, sometimes near airports, you're going to see a larger amount or a, a lot of varying people groups compared mm-hmm. to we're somewhat northern metro, a little mm-hmm. bit rural. Uh, you won't see the concentration of the nations here. But instead of us trying to take a responsibility that's two hours away, we support those that are in that neighborhood. So we can be involved relationally, financially in that work, as well as recognizing what's here. Um, and we just got to do a good job as, as leaders and pastors to know our neighborhood, to know our community, yeah. uh, to know what's changing culturally, and be in tune to that. And uh, that's just important. Mm-hmm. I'm just taking it all in over here. This is great. Uh, you see, could you talk a little bit more, Robert, about you talked about the local church sort of owning mm-hmm. missions and being the primary doer of missions. What what does that look like? What does that mean? And how how is that different than say what would be maybe first say what is it not like? What are you contrasting it against? And then what does that look like if a church said well, I want to be more involved in missions. What, what does that mean? Yeah, good good question. And it's so easy for us in America with social media and uh, all the information. It's so easy to compare. Mm-hmm. So if I was to put this, systematize it a little bit, uh, I think I would start with a local church, their leadership, knowing the scriptures in such a way, regardless of size, and say we want to be part of God's mission locally and globally. So you know the scriptures, you get a biblical uh, overview of what it really means to be about the nations. Your church would start with prayer. Uh, mm. You know, last time I checked, prayer does not require a budget. So we don't need money to create a prayer movement for the nations, okay? Can I quote you on that? Uh, you can. If I use that in my next sermon, <laughs> do I have to quote you in it? Uh, whatever you feel good about. Oh, so. <laughs> I hate it when he says that, John. I took that as a no, you don't have to quote in <laughs> me next sermon. Uh, my conscience is seared. Sound like yeah. a no to me. Sound yeah. like a no. <laughs> but, there, you know, at the end of the day, there has to be an awakening in our hearts. Mm-hmm. You know, left to ourselves, we are a selfish people, and we're going to make life easy for us. And a church that agrees to care about their neighbor as well as those around the world, it's hard work, you know? It takes time. It takes energy. Uh, it's difficult. But so there has to be an awakening within our hearts, and I think a church can start with prayer, praying for the nations. Mm-hmm. Um, got a great prayer ministry here at Lakewood, you know, Beth Everett gives leadership to that, and she is is bringing that into the language of her group to pray for the nation directly. So a uh, heart's desire, prayer, uh, recognizing what is around you and, and starting there. And then, 
you know, churches learning from each other. There's been guys I've learned from throughout the years that were in larger cities and had the opportunity to have, you know, missional staff. Uh, at Lakewood, we're very fortunate. You know, not every church can have a missions pastor uh, or particular staff to give direction. Uh, most churches don't. But we can't use that as an excuse to engage in God's mission. It's too important. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things you highlight really well, I mean, a lot most people know, okay, if I want to be involved in missions, there's, there's a financial part. Mm-hmm. There's a financial commitment. We mm-hmm. can give money. But you you highlight a lot the relational piece. Mm-hmm. So what what would that look like? What does that look like for a church, for a local church, to partner with relationally with a missionary cross culturally or a church planner in another city? What does that look like? How do how do you go about doing that? Well, like I say, going <laughs> great question. Going forward, is sometimes man, can this ever happen? But looking back, you're like, man, look at God's mm-hmm. grace and mercy. But I think I think every church, uh, if it can't, if it's not the senior pastor, uh, someone needs to have a. I would call it a mission champion, and that is somebody, a staff person, maybe the senior pastor, maybe a lay leader. Because I know plenty of local churches that they have a mission champion, and that person may just have a title and not pay because the church just can't pay an additional staff person. But have a mission champion that would um, seek out either through their denominational mission organization, mm-hmm. like you know the IMB with. Southern Baptist or MTW with Presbyterian or whoever, seek out. Because I guarantee you there's missionaries all over the world that are longing uh, for somebody to pray for them regularly, check on them regularly, uh, talk to them once a month. And as you do that, as you're reaching out through the gift of helps and care and prayer, uh, you are learning about the mission of God from mm-hmm. that missionary. And so it's kind of like sharing the gospel. I think those that are really good at sharing the gospel with other people, they got to learn to be a good listener first. Uh, before they, you know, verbalize the gospel. So I would encourage, um, that's one particular way, because it is a big world and missions is a big opportunity, is uh, identifying a person within your church uh, and then seeking out through their local denominational's missional contribution. And then um, if that maybe is not the case, there's a lot of good parachurch organizations that I would encourage you to do one that really comes alongside the local church and... I know several uh, part of their DNA is they say we're here to serve the local church and the mission of God. So one of the things I like about that question is, I mean, you're really asking how can a person who may be in a local church, maybe even at Lakewood, who says I, I want to be a part of it, but I don't necessarily think I'm the one who's supposed to go. You know, mm-hmm. since God's calling me to that, what do I do? And you're, I mean, Robert, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but you're basically just saying build a relationship with someone who has gone, encourage them, pray for them, love on them. Speak with them, communicate with them, mean do all these things, uh-huh. support them through your local church so that you are participating uh-huh. in that mission. All right, so let me ask you another follow-up question then, because that's just sort of the... Am I allowed to ask questions? No, you don't get to ask questions. I don't get to ask any... Okay. At the end, there'll be okay, a Q&A okay. time for you. Yeah, in the second hour of the podcast, you get okay. to ask questions. Sorry, I, I didn't know my proper uh, place. And Stay in line, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> Stay in line. <laughs> Know your seat on the bus, buddy. <laughs> Make sure you're on the right seat on the Get bus. Get on the right seat Make on sure the bus. Make sure you're on the right bus. On the right bus and the right seat on the bus. You you taught me that from uh, you know good leadership books and All stuff. Right. All right, so that's for the person who maybe is just saying, I may not be the one to go, but I want to be a part of it. Get in your local church, get involved, start doing something. What about the one who may be listening to this thinking, maybe I am the one called to go? Mm. And we're thinking cross-culturally, 
a move in geography, maybe even learning a new language? How do they start to prepare themselves to go? Great question. And we could create a whole rooted and grounded podcast just on preparation, Tyler. I was encouraged last week. We were at a write that down. Yeah. That sounds like a promise. Preparation. Uh, we were at a conference last week in Atlanta. Uh, you know, listen to keynote speakers, listen to the breakout sessions. And man, I'll tell you, we get excited. You know, God awakes to his truth through salvation, but then his work, and we get excited and we're like, I don't want to be prepared. I just want to go. Yeah. I want to put, you know, some of us use that term a lot around here, put feet to it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if it is long term, you need to do the hard work of preparation. And it may appear slow, it may appear boring, but it is so necessary. Uh, and the theological side of it, as well as the practical side of it, talking to people that have served long term. Um, but you know, we live in an instant society. Uh, we want to go now. I'll learn as I go. And usually not always, but usually that ends in a disaster because it's just too hard to go across culture. And we're talking about people here that go and live in another culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you Uh, want to tell people slow down, slow down and do what instead? Yeah. Prepare yourself. Uh, where? Good question. There's a lot of different places. Uh, it depends on age and stage, but, uh, the opportunity for seminary, uh, extension-wise, uh, through the local church. Some churches, I've heard, even offer theological training in their church. Let's not be veiled. Uh, let's make this a shameless recruiting plug. Yes. Come on. Shameless Just, plug. Shameless plug. That's what we do. I mean, this is one of our desires at Lakewood is to train people for ministry, whether that's pastoral ministry, church planning, cross-cultural missions, is to do what you're saying, Robert, to do those— Sorry, that holistic preparation is theological, uh-huh. it's practical, but it's also personal. It's about your own spiritual growth. Because yeah. you can't you can't do any ministry if you're not growing and becoming more like Christ and growing as a follower of him. Yeah. And and part of that preparation is making sure you're part if you're going with the parachurch organization, which I do encourage, even through the local church, because um uh, again, go with those that are coming alongside of local churches. Mm-hmm. Um you know, get the training through what they offer as well. So, so they may have resources that the local church would be hard-pressed to be able to provide for you. Absolutely. Like practical, get-you-there kind of resources. But you've both emphasized the necessity of being a part of a local church in whichever context you may find yourself. Yeah, because, you know, we got to ask who is sending that person. Who is that? I know. It's the word, the, you know, God is sending them, mm-hmm. but he's doing it through the means of the local mm-hmm. church. And... I'd encourage anybody who wants to live abroad or even live cross-culturally in this country, you need to be sent by a local church. Mm. It, and uh, sometimes the pizzazz of mission and want to be a globetrotter or whatever, uh, people separate themselves from a local church. So you're hurting yourself because you weren't prepared well. You're hurting yourself because you won't stay connected well. And selfishly, you've left the local church out of the sending opportunity to care for you relationally and financially. So both people, both participants are blessed through that. Absolutely. The one going and the local church because God has uniquely designed the relationship between missionary and local church to be such that Mm. they both join in their own, uh, the spiritual fruit that Mm. one another bears. And, you know, you talk about awakening a local church in the context of the South or America, even if they don't have the means uh, to know a lot about missions or have a mission staff person. 
you know, average church in America, what is it? You know, 90 to 120 people. Mm -hmm. You let a local church in America send out Mm -hmm. somebody cross-culturally and they would celebrate that each week. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had a long-term vision around here that Benji Lavender, our pastor, by the way, the best title of our staff, most exciting title, pastor of global initiatives. Why did he get that and I didn't? Uh, I think you picked. I think you created that title yeah, for him. I did. So, <laughs> but so he does a great job own. with a ministry we call Barnabas, and Barnabas is caring for people on the field, uh, the ones that we support through a mission. But as a sending church as well as a supporting church, but uh, you know, you're giving that local church a blessing to care for people abroad, and it will awaken them. And we've had the vision for a long time. Can you imagine a church that is uh, praying for a missionary weekly by name, that is celebrating their newsletter quarterly? as actually receiving them back or sending teams to encourage them once a year. How about awakening mm-hmm. uh, the church in America? I think God's mission uh, through his power is an amazing way to do that. Yeah. And I wanted to circle back because those are the tremendous blessings that come from a local church sending. But we would ultimately say a local church is doing the sending because that's the biblical. That's what we see in Scripture. Absolutely. So I'm thinking of Acts 13. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so if we just, I'll just read verses one through th- three. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, our friend Saul, mm-hmm. the Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. So it's exactly what you said. God is doing the sending by his spirit, and the church is the vehicle for that sending, that the church recognizes that these men, even the Apostle Paul, even the Apostle Paul, the church is recognizing that he is the one whom the Lord has set apart to do this Mm -hmm. mission. So I think it's not just that we're all local churchmen and we're trying to bring glory to ourselves, but we serve in the local church because we see that as God's way of advancing his kingdom. And this is just, this is the model. This mm-hmm. is what we see in Scripture, and that's why we're adamant about it. Mm-hmm. But it does. I mean, there are all these benefits that flow, all these blessings that flow to a church when this happens. Mm-hmm. At Lakewood, I think we could encourage folks to learn more about what we're doing in here and participate and, and not think that someone else is doing it, but get involved. But I just want to encourage those who may be listening who aren't a part of Lakewood or maybe aren't even a part of a larger church, but an average church. I mean, mm-hmm. just the normal church that Robert mentioned, which, by the way, is a lot of the churches that we support through our church planting mm-hmm. ministry. Like, how could they be involved? And you say, just start. You don't have to do everything. Just just start. Just participate. Just join in on how God may uniquely use you in your own church to, to join in the work that he's doing somewhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Robert? Um, sadly, our time has come to an end, but I wow. feel like you have like something that would just, you know, really wrap it up well. Hmm. What about the questions I want to ask, or the question? Can that come to? Um, no, no. I think you just have to say something. <laughs> no, I'll. Uh... Wait, what's your question? No, I was going to. My question was to you guys is. As a follower of Christ in any local church, does everybody need to be involved in the mission of God? Yeah, that's too hard of a question. Why don't you just say something <laughs> really helpful? Uh, if I were to answer my own question, I'd say, yes, they are. Do all go? Do all go live cross-culturally? No, no but we all can be involved. Amen. You know, through praying, 
through supporting and through going. So it's not really an option. Uh, we all need to be involved in God's mission, and it's so worth it. Uh, so recently we had a gathering Friday night. We were praying over some church planners, and we emphasized some scriptures. And the uh, first one we emphasized last Friday night was John twenty twenty one, where Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And right before he said that, he said, Peace be with you. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times God's Spirit just has to settle us in, and uh, so we're not like anxious about everything, but just settle us in, and uh, we enjoy Him, and as a result of that, knowing Him, Him knowing us, we then serve our neighbor. So Father sent me, so I am sending you, and that's going to look different. You know, there's all kinds of expressions for that, but uh, just want to encourage us with God's Word. Robert Puckett, the world's greatest missions pastor. Mm, exaggeration there. Not an exaggeration. Uh, the best one that I've ever known or worked for, with and for. Thank you so much for joining us today, Robert, on an impromptu, unplanned, scheduled, but extremely beneficial Rooted and Grounded podcast. Thank you so much for being here with us, man. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. and. Um so glad I stumbled by today.